0: Jesse, single. How's it going, Katie? I am feeling pretty embarrassed at the moment. My face is beet red.
1: Oh, uh, what did you do? Wait, let me let me guess. You went outside wearing your cargo shorts inside out.
0: <laughs> I mean, that does happen most days, but no, this is a. Uh... We have to confess to like one of the more serious journalistic errors in American history. This is like Stephen Glass level.
1: Oh fuck. What did you do? What did I do? What
0: did we do? Okay, so last <laughs> last week we introduced barpod personals. This is an idea you had, to be clear. No,
1: this is an idea Reddit had.
0: Oh, yes. But then we, we we adopted it. So the the short version, tell me if I have this right. This is a service where we make it easier for murderers to find their victims.
1: Well, we also make it easier for victims to find their murderers, but yes.
0: <laughs> so the very first personal ad we read was from uh, Cuddling of the American Mind, which is great. I hope everyone can keep up that high standard of uh, of their name. And... Among other things, she said, currently living abroad from Utah, so all my family's ideas come pre-canceled and have great tits, if you're into that kind of thing.
1: It makes it sound like her family's ideas have great tits.
0: (laughs) Her family's ideas have giant pendulous knockers. Uh, Then we riffed on that a little bit, and we talked about her having huge tits. Katie, as everyone knows, as we both know for sure, given our respective orientations, Great tits are not the same as huge tits.
1: That's true. I mean, you have a very nice pair of of double A's. I wonder what my... This
0: is a whole other thing, but I wonder what my bra size is, just out of curiosity.
1: Well, you know, Victoria's Secret is now – they're moving away from, like, the angels thing and into a more, like, androgynous women power. (laughs) You should stop by and get measured.
0: Can you imagine if uh, Victoria's Secret did a big thing of, like, look, we're moving away from traditional ideals of feminine beauty. Here's what we came up with. And it's just just me with cargo shorts (laughs) and an ill-fitting bra.
1: I think there would be protest at Victoria's Secret. I would like to apologize
0: and officially correct the record. Cuddling of the American Mind does not, as far as we know, have giant tits. She has, quote, great tits, end quote.
1: I am so glad that you corrected that record. Yes. Let it be said. Huge tits and great tits are not synonymous. You can have itty-bitty titties, and they can still be a nice rack.
0: We did not consult with the itty bitty titty committee before this episode.
1: <laughs> next time, next time. Which we time. should
0: have. Uh Katie, what is the name of this increasingly breast obsessed podcast?
1: This is Blocked and Reported, and I am Katie Herzog.
0: I am Jesse Single. And man, you know, I say this a lot, but I really think that today we have a podcast.
1: We have a show. It is a show. I
0: guess before we get into that, one other sort of minor point of clarification, I'm going to read this directly from a listener who sent it to you. This is in regard to our segment on the Rachel Nichols-Maria Taylor dust-up. If you don't know what that is, listen to our last episode. It has to do with a little brouhaha at ESPN. Um, this is what the person wrote. On the Rachel Nichols stories, you guys got something wrong that I think was key to the story. She was talking about ESPN executives trying to lure her out of hosting the NBA finals, a job she's had for years, and putting her on as a sideline reporter to make way for Taylor. This is a key detail in this conflict between the two women. Because from Nichols' point of view, she's sort of already had this job and was being asked to step aside. I, I believe this is a fair point in light of my understanding of the situation. I went back and read the Times coverage. It supports it. Uh, also, Maria Taylor has now moved on to NBC Sports. So uh, I guess all's well that ends well.
1: I guess for NBC Sports. <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, that that was the kind of detail. I, I, I sort of led that segment. I should have included that because that was important. Uh, moving on, we have a couple things to discuss today.
1: We do. We are going to talk about... The skeptics community, including a uh, minor kerfuffle that you got in with, uh, with a leader of the skeptic community. And first we are talking about some interesting mental illness going around TikTok.
0: Yes. So th- this has to do with, a uh, dissociative identity disorder, which has always been a very controversial sort of psychological phenomenon. It's, uh, Known colloquially as like multiple personality disorder, it is this phenomenon where people seem to have different personalities inside them. Like if I, for example, had one personality named Jesse, who was cool and nice and everyone liked him, but then also an embittered lesbian named Katie, <laughs> who everyone hated, and I could sort of switch between the two of them and everyone liked Jesse and want to hang out with him, but hated Katie and were like tempted to physically assault her, for example.
1: I thought that your multiple personality or your alter was Chad Chadwick the third. <laughs> it's true. There's also Chad
0: Chadwick the third. I also have a gamer alt, a horse and fucker, a, podca- a, a horse fucker. I also have a podcaster alt. Who, unfortunately, I am not usually. What's the oh shit? United. We'll get into this. There's a word. No, there's a word. Oh my! I'm not usually fronting him. Right, right. When I record podcasts, uh, I, I want to read one thing because I don't want to gloss over the fact that there's like. Some smart people are not sure this disorder as it has been described exists. This is an old Scientific American article by Scott Lilienfeld, who recently died, unfortunately, but is one of my favorite sort of skeptical clinical clinical psychologists, him and uh, another researcher named Hal Arkowitz. Here we go. If alters, those are the different personalities people with DID have, are not discrete personalities, as they argue, what are they? One hint, individuals who develop DID often meet the diagnostic criteria for borderline personality disorder, bipolar disorder, and other conditions marked by instability. Indeed, a review in 1999 by one of us, Lillian Feld, and his colleagues found that between 35 and 71% of patients with dissociative identity disorder also have borderline personality disorder. Understandably then, many individuals prone to DID are bewildered by their unstable moods, self-destructive behavior, impulsivity, and erratic relationships and are seeking an explanation for these disturbances. If psychotherapists or others ask suggestive questions such as, is it possible that a part of you you're not aware of is making you do and feel these things, Patients may become convinced that their mind houses multiple identities. And Katie, you know a little bit about sort of the DID craze. There was a time when people were being diagnosed with dissociative identity disorder in like crazy numbers, right?
1: Yeah. So there was a wave of diagnoses of multiple personality disorder around the same time as Satanic Panic. Um, there's at least one celebrity who claims to have it, and that was uh, oh, fuck. What's her name? Um, the one who got canceled for the the ambient the ambient tweet. <laughs> Yeah. Roseanne Barr. Um, and it, it really started with the, at least popularly, with the publication of a book in 1973 called Sybil, which was later turned into a movie. And Jurassic Park. Yes. This has been represented all over, uh, all over pop culture. Lots of movies about, about multiple personality disorder. Jesse, do you remember the movie Primal Fear?
0: With Ed Norton, it's, I remember it being very good. I haven't seen it in years and years.
1: Yeah, it was a very good movie. It's about a, it's about a crime and the guy who is, uh, who is being accused of the crime claims to have multiple personality disorder. Um, it's totally worth watching. It's like from 1996 or something like that. Um, so we've seen this portrayed often throughout various facets of, 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 of pop culture. That said, I'm pretty skeptical of it. Mult- the term itself, multiple personality disorder went out of fashion because there was, Uh, It was so controversial. And so it's basically just been rebranded dissociative identity disorder. So this thing that was in some circles considered debunked has now just adopted a new name and we're talking about it again.
0: Yeah. So there is, from the point of view of the American Psychiatric Establishment, there is a thing in the DSM called uh, dissociative identity disorder. I believe that renaming was in uh, DSM-IV, 1994, because I just Googled this. So yes. Now, I think for the discussion we're about to have, we should probably – Table the discussion of whether it's ever real and assume that some people meet these symptoms, as the DSM says, I found what Scott Lillianfeld and his co-author said very intriguing. If you take a, a sort of unstable, disturbed person and you see it in their mind, the reason you feel this way is because you have multiple different alters. Based on what we know about human psychology, you can say like, therapists can induce memories and feelings in their patients. This is a pretty well-known phenomenon.
1: So Sybil, the book that really started this whole thing, which was – it was written by a woman named Flora uh, Ritter Scribner, and it was about the treatment of this woman who was called Sybil Dorset – that's a pseudonym – by her psychoanalyst. And subsequent reporting – and there's been a lot of reporting on this book um, – Really cast out on the, the veracity of the diagnosis itself. Like some people found that she, that Sybil herself had been, uh, p- sort of prompted, had been hypnotized, that the psychiatrist, the psychoanalyst, excuse me, um, was, uh, was sort of coaxing her into this, into this, these symptoms.
0: Yeah. And this is, this is similar to when false memories of childhood sex abuse were, were planted. And I, my understanding is DID. Often is seen as being connected to childhood trauma leading to memory issues and such. Yeah, right. Uh, okay. So, the reason we're bringing this all up is because there is a fascinating article in Input Magazine called Inside TikTok's Booming Dissociative Identity Disorder Community. I think I first heard about this on um, Red Scare. So, credit to them. And it's just, it's this fascinating article about these TikTok creators, some of whom have more than a million followers who. And a million personalities. And a million personalities. Okay, so here here's a video from um, the A, at the A system, who is one of the personalities, Input Magazine profiles, talking about uh, just some of the stuff they've gone through recently.
2: Hey, everybody, it's Chris, and I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you to everyone that has been there for us and just supported us through all of this. Everyone's really worried about us because of that rapid switching video, but what y'all don't understand is that was just a normal day for us. Rapid switching like that is not something that's uncommon in the system and it's something that we have learned to live with. We are going to try to film again if it does happen though. I guess when it happens. Because it really did help our communication during that time. Once again thank you guys for everything and all the support. We're having a blast doing this and hope it continues. And if y'all stick around and if y'all are interested it'll keep happening we will continue to make content. Thank you guys so much.
0: What's interesting to me about this is like he is basically saying and explaining the benefits of showing your symptoms on camera. If someone was there, there's one element of this that to me is good and harmless and destigmatizing. And that is like people with mental health problems talking about that and talking about how they get through their day. In this case, the, sort of the brand of having dissociative identity disorder on TikTok clearly relies on being able to switch and being able to show your different alters, right?
1: Right. I mean... I see the potential for tremendous harm here because if you have someone who's an influencer who's presumably making money off of these videos in the, the article, the person says like, even though, uh, these creators have all have that I profiled all have their, their Venmo and cash apps in their, in their profiles, they say that they're not like making a living here. It's hard for me to imagine that anyone with a million followers isn't, um, isn't making at least some money. Some kind of yeah. money off of this. Um, but I think there's, there's real harm here because th- these things are contagious. And if people think that this is real, and I'm not convinced that it is real, the more people we're going to see adopting this identity because it is an identity. It's not just a diagnosis. It's an actual identity.
0: Well it's both. Like diet we know that mental health symptoms can be contagious, so it could be both, right? Yeah. Okay, so so let me give an example of how like it, it seems impossible that there isn't an element of acting and performance here. This is one by System Spouse, who I believe is the A Systems spouse. And it, it's titled April and
2: Asher Daily. Hey April, I have a question. What do you want? You wanna be on camera? If I do that, then I'd have to like go shave and fix the hair and do all that stuff. So why don't you just go do that real fast? Because I really don't want to. If I'm going on camera, I'll just do it like this. You're going to look so pretty on camera. This is why nobody likes you.
0: And if you watch the video, you'll see like it just it switches back between the two of them just having a conversation as these two alters, one male, one female.
1: And And, and when you say the two of them. You're not talking about two people. You're talking about one person.
0: One person who just has a slightly different voice, same outfits, him everything. And, and you couldn't really film this unless the person could sort of switch at will. And, and it just seems like someone playing two different characters. And it, it just seems like unless there's this thing where they're like, waiting for the right alters to show up to film this in this smooth way where it's just a back and forth conversation that it's impossible. This is just the natural switching that sometimes occurs supposedly with people with dissociative identity disorder.
1: Yeah. It's really hard to believe that this isn't acting.
0: Yeah. And, and again, like the other thing is a lot of these dissociative identity disorder influencers seem to have some alters that just so happen to have marginalized identities. Like it's very common For a male uh, influencer in this space to have at least one altar who is female and who is trans, therefore, and and talk about their gender dysphoria, this is something that article brings up.
1: Dude, I want I want to see one of these where the altar is—it's like a white man and his altar is a black woman.
0: Oh my God. I mean, why? Uh, How quickly like, would
1: you get canceled for that?
0: If, if it is the case that this can go across ages and genders, why would it? I mean, we're sort of recycling other arguments, but, but the point is what's interesting here is it clearly gives a TikTok influencer who might otherwise be seen as a boring white guy some currency without even having to have their main personality be anything but a, a boring white guy. I also, um, as the Input Magazine article notes, there's a subreddit dedicated to calling out and making fun of the worst of these. It's called um,
1: – D.I.D. Cringe.
0: Yeah, it's called D.I.D. Cringe. And as they point out, in a lot of cases, one alter will be neurotypical, but then another alter will have autism. So you will see someone switching from just like normal seeming interactions to what appears to be a little bit of a caricature of someone with an autism spectrum disorder, a little bit problematic.
1: What I wonder about this is how are you cognizant of one alter taking over?
0: That's interesting. I mean, I think it's just, do you just feel your your present, the fronting alter, meaning the present alter like receding? like. Subjectively, it must be a really weird experience, assuming it's real.
1: Assuming it's real.
0: <laughs> so one of the more interesting parts of the Input Magazine article is the difference between what like clinicians say and then what the influencers themselves say. I'm just going to read a little bit here. Dr. Robert T. Muller, a professor of clinical psychology at York-, York University in Toronto and author of Trauma and the Struggle to Open Up from Avoidance to Recovery and Growth, here's what he says. I've never worked with someone with DID who has felt it to be an okay way of living. Muller says when asked about multiplicity, multiplicity is just people having multiple alters in day-to-day life. The DID clients I've worked with have found their DID to be a state of profound suffering. He did not, however, rule out the possibility of multiplicity working. I would never want to impose a version of self upon somebody that they don't themselves actually endorse. He says, just because I've never seen it doesn't make it untrue. It sort of seems like he's like, he could get in hot water just for explaining what the clinical recommendations are that like, ideally, we should have it not be the case that you present as 15 different people every day.
1: You would think that this would make things like getting a job very difficult. Like, do you have different resumes for your different alters?
0: I mean, for with one alter, you can apply for positions where they're looking for a marginalized person. <laughs> and then for the management positions, you want to be a white guy. <laughs> so yeah, the, the the article then jumps back and we'll, we'll we'll move on from this one article soon. But the article then says... Aureli, the 25-year-old host of The Cloud, a system of eight that has 52,600 followers, feels the stance presented by Mueller is an outdated one. Formerly, it was very common that the treatment for DID was to progress towards what we call final fusion, where all the identity states become one, she explains. Nowadays, a lot of therapists are embracing functional multiplicity as either a portion of their treatment process or the final goal. To me, this is like a little bit redolent of like the idea of a doctor saying, Well, you're 600 pounds, but that's just who you are. Who am I to say you should lose (laughs) weight?
1: Multiple personality positive.
0: I will say in this article's defense, uh, after sort of platforming the view of a 25-year-old influencer who benefits directly from having multiplicity or whatever you want to call it. It goes back to Dr. Panag- Panagiotta Karensis. Karensis. Karensis? Whatever. It's a good name. Uh, this is someone at the Albert Einstein College of Medicine in New York. And they basically say like, no, I don't think that's a good idea. I think our idea of like she, – she, they say getting medical advice from people on TikTok is not my clinical recommendation. <laughs> Probably a good idea.
1: This article was interesting. What bothered me about it was at no point does the author – grapple with the fact that this might not actually exist at least not in any uh explicit way yeah and like doesn't even really get into the controversy about this being largely debunked in many circles
0: no it's like a little bit of the he said she said even just for treatment where it's right. like the it seems like the influencers get almost as much time as the doctors i don't think she talks to any doctors who actually or the author i don't know the pronouns who um any any doctors who are like yes it's good for people to have multiples and To me, the last point I want to make about this is just, like, there are so many parallels between this and the gender dysphoria stuff.
1: Besides the fact that all of these people are they's.
0: Yes, (laughs) exactly. Uh, I get so many comments from people saying, why does everyone have DID all of a sudden? Says 28-year-old Chelsea, the Kentucky-based host of A Familiar World, a DID system of 12. The system (laughs) – sorry, I need to be more accepting. I'll try not to laugh.
1: No, you don't.
0: You really don't. The system includes three child alters under the age of ten: Katie, Clara, and Nadine, as well as teenagers: Anna, Grace, Shelby, Danny, Effie, and Lucy. Their account- How does
1: she? How does she schedule them all at school? I know. I know the logistics are impossible. That's like fifteen students who are not getting educated. <laughs> Somebody needs to call CPS on this person.
0: None of them are going to know how to read. Uh, This account account has attracted more than 172,000 followers since March 2021. It doesn't happen all of a sudden, Chelsea explains. We've always had it. We just didn't feel safe enough to come out. So this is exactly similar to some of the debates raging about gender dysphoria where like – could it possibly be the case that in some instances there's an element of contagion or or even incentives to say you have this thing? Nope, we just always had it. It just happens to be the case. All these people are coming out at once. And obviously, as something become destigmatized, like there's some truth to that. But at a certain point, you should probably ask some questions about contagion and whether like situations where you are incentivized to exaggerate your symptoms or present them when they're at their worst might not be the most healthy thing in the world.
1: If it were true that these people have always had this, you would think there would be a rash of children being diagnosed with it or parents even talking about the fact that, oh, my God, some days Timmy is Timmy and some days Timmy is Tammy.
0: One thing I'm very curious about is what all these people's lives look like when they are not recording themselves for TikTok videos.
1: That is a good
0: question. I just want to delegitimize as many people suffering with mental illness as
1: possible. That's so good of you, Chad. Chad Chadwick.
0: Yes, I'm Chad right now. That's uh, the altar I'm fronting.
1: Um, I can tell. You sound a little blonder. I guess that's it. I'll include
0: links. There's a lot of interesting stuff here. I don't think it's impossible that this exists, and obviously the DSM says it does, and we know whatever psychiatrists say is true is definitely true. For sure. Uh, I just – I found these videos difficult to watch, but we'll see what other people think.
1: Yeah, because they're cringe as hell. They're extremely
0: cringe. Okay, that's enough about dissociative identity disorder. We will be back.
1: Jesse, can I get serious with you for a second?
0: Uh Uh-oh, that does not sound good.
1: It's not good, Jesse, because I recently found out that my love of my Hello Tushy Modern Bidet attachment has earned me something of a reputation on my neighborhood listserv.
0: Oh, God, what did you do?
1: Nothing. Well, almost nothing. Here's what happened. A couple of my neighbors came by to canvas for a local city candidate, and I offered to let them use my bathroom. I thought I was just being generous, but apparently it's not cool that I gave them a demonstration on how to use the hello tushy modern bidet attachment.
0: Like you demonstrated demonstrated for them?
1: Yes. I just wanted to spread the gospel of the hello tushy modern bidet attachment, and that happened to mean spreading my butt cheeks in front of my neighbors. Is that so weird?
0: Yes, yes, that is weird.
1: Apparently you're right, because now my neighbors are warning people not to stop by my house on the listserv. Can you even believe that?
0: Actually, yes, I can. But regardless of whether you learned about the Hello Tushy Modern Bidet Attachment on this podcast or from your creepy neighborhood bidet evangelist, every Hello Tushy Bidet Attachment comes with a 60-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty.
1: Already got a Hello Tushy on your pot? Upgrade to the new Hello Tushy 3.0. If you're new to the revolution, join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now for a clean butt with every flush.
0: Give yourself the gift of a clean butt. Go to hellotushi.com slash barpod to get 10% off plus free shipping.
1: This is a special offer for our listeners at hellotushi.com slash barpod for 10% off. Hellotushi.com
0: slash barpod. All right, it is time for that. Fascinating part of the show where we do housekeeping. You can always reach out to us at, uh, blocked reported podcast at gmail.com. I think something like that. You should rate us on Apple podcasts. You should go to our subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash blocked reported barpod.org for merch. I just got some finally. I'm so excited about it. It just changed my life. And most importantly, we have a premium subscription service.
1: We do. If you go to patreon.com slash blocked and reported for just $5 a month, you get three extra episodes of this podcast every single month. Plus, there are lots of other goodies. We do bi-monthly meetups. You get ad-free episodes. Uh, we do AMAs. You have direct a direct line to Jesse's inbox. It's, it's the best deal in media.
0: Yeah. I, I post my home address and I invite my patrons to just come hang out whenever they want.
1: Yeah, for our top subscribers, you get access to the camera that Jesse just puts in his bathroom. <laughs> so it's a live stream.
0: Dude, should we do a $70 above the shower cam for me?
1: <laughs> yeah, that'll be just for you. Um, we also are now doing a personal ad service. So for patrons, if you send us a personal ad, we will read it on air and forward you any of the responses you get. Once again, we cannot be legally held responsible for anything that happens.
0: Yeah, once again, that's a completely meaningless disclaimer. We should be clear that if you're a patron, the only way we're going to get this is if you message it to our account. And if you're responding to one, whether or not you're a patron, the only way we'll get it is if you email it
1: to which account, Katie? Barpodpersonals at gmail.com.
0: Once more, because we have not been clear about this at all, responses go to barpodpersonals at gmail.com. We welcome responses from uh, Patreons and non-Patreons. But if you are a patron, you need to send it via patron message to us. This is so that, fucking right?
1: confusing. Yes.
0: It's fine. It'll be great. There's hopefully not that many murders. All right. Should we knock out a few of these?
1: Yeah. Hey, ladies. Horrified by the thought of a radically tolerant, pacifist, objectivist, 50-year-old Oberlin conservatory trained, Swifty, divorced father of five from New Jersey who loves biathlon and the performing arts? Whoa. Really? Cool. Then hit me up.
0: That was North North Jersey, to be clear. Jersey. Although Jersey's North not Jersey. that big. North Jersey.
1: I don't know what the worst part of that ad is. Father of five, radically tolerant, Oberlin conservatory trained, or Swifty.
0: Katie, we're trying to help people. This, per- this person, who I have interacted with in other contexts, is very talented and kind, and I bet their kids are wonderful. <sighs>
1: I bet he's got great tits.
0: (laughs) I bet he's got giant tits. All right. Next one. Chronically contrarian Canadian Gen X female with utterly unremarkable rack seeks male who retains some optimism for society and faith in humanity. 48, but looks a sprightly 49. (laughs) Enjoys glamping, leisurely bike rides and daydreaming about a lottery win that would permit a Herzogian escape to a wilderness utopia, except with cats, but maybe a dog too. Cigarette intolerant, any kind.
1: Next, we have a Los Angeles writer and game designer who is 35 and a man who seeks a heterodox thinker, a woman, with the spirit of wit and argumentation. He says, I'm not struggling. I own my own home and support myself, but I'm exhausted by the Hollywood dating scene and would love a fun, drama-free partner who enjoys looking at ideas from different angles. My politics are in the Chapo mold, but if you like Jesse and Katie, we'll get along great.
0: Matt, 29, Philadelphia. Part-time finance jerk, Full-time neoliberal shill seeks ethereal bisexual woman. That's a good (laughs) reference. Who enjoys bong rips and cocktail bars? Thought criminals before. I might write him. Yeah, you should. Um, okay, going forward, by the way, you need a... So the first one of these was Cuddling of the American Mind, which was great. We don't care if they're funny or not, but you need to include some sort of like title so that we'll know who to... So you can say, like, I'm emailing blah, blah, blah. So just include like some kind of title. And that's... If you've already set one in without a title and, and we have it, that won't be a requirement
1: for those. Right. So if you're interested in any of these, be sure to specify uh, who exactly you were talking about when you email us at barpodpersonals at gmail.com.
0: Yes. When when you email Katie to be fair. I'm the rec- <laughs> yes. I'm the re- I'm the receiver via the Patreon and you're the connector. I'm the giver. I'm the gatekeeper, you're the key master, or maybe reverse it.
1: This is such a bad idea.
0: Uh, I well, Katie, you know what? It was your idea and when, when the Inevitable trial takes place. <laughs> I am turning on you so fast. I'd be like, I'm gonna like fake screenshots of me saying, "Katie, we should do this. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Someone's gonna get killed." And then you, you said, "Shut the fuck up, Jew. We're doing this."
1: Look, there's just not enough love in the world. I'm just trying to spread more love.
0: Okay. Next on the docket is, uh, oh god, this one's a mess. Should I just give the basic spiel about what happened with science-based medicine, and then we'll go into some of the sort of skeptis, skeptics community backstory, or what's the right order here?
1: Yeah, you just go into. It. It.
0: Okay, so back in – Katie, have you ever heard of the book Irreversible Damage by Abigail Schreier?
1: Oh, wait. It's by uh, – it's the social justice story by Katie – what's her name?
0: There is a book – Katie Suarez. I love Katie this. Suarez. I don't think we mentioned this on the non-patron. If you go to Target.com and you search for Irreversible Damage, there is like another book with the same title except it has social justice in the subtitle. So
1: look that up. Closely related. It's the sequel
0: irreversible damage which we are not going we talked a little bit about our thoughts on it on the patron episode let's just keep that there become a patron but the basic version is it is about the idea that uh, a large number of girls are declaring themselves trans and or gender dysphoric as a result of peer and cultural uh, influence
1: and If if you've listened to this podcast for more than five seconds you have you are familiar with this idea
0: Yes. Uh, you know, I don't want to be totally coy here. Katie and I both think that this happens. There's some debate over how often the idea that it's a myth that it never happens is sort of fucking ridiculous because we've, I've talked to kids it's happened to. It is not hard to find detransitioners who say it's happened to them. And if your, if your response to that is, well, they weren't really trans, it sounds like you're saying some people who say they're trans aren't trans, which is problematic in this worldview. Anyway, science based medicine is this really, I think within the skeptic community, a pretty big deal. This stuff gets nerdy, but it's important. The founder of the site, Stephen Novella, who is at Gale Medical School, thinks that evidence-based medicine isn't enough because a lot of evidence we have is shoddy. He wrote this thing I'll link to explaining why a science-based medicine perspective is better. He launched a site called Science-Based Medicine. Another guy, David Gorski, also a well-established sort of medical figure, uh, is the managing editor. Online, David Gorski, on Twitter at least, is like very social justice-y. For example, when uh, J.K. Rowling – how is it I still can't pronounce her name? Didn't we – it's Rowling, right? You say Rowling.
1: It's – I. wait, what do I – it's it's the one that rhymes with Bowling. Okay, Rowling. Rowling. Yes, it's Rowling.
0: Um, J.K. Rowling posted a link to a thing basically about like bad care for youth, gender, gender dysphoric youth. And David Gorski responded, okay, Karen. Which – I think like if you're like a big name skeptic and you care about evidence, he probably detracts a little bit from that image. If you're saying things like, okay, Karen, that turned out to be the least of their concerns. So longtime contributor to science-based medicine named Dr. Harriet Hall posts a review of irreversible damage that is generally favorable. I have some problems with it. I don't think it was like a crazy or out of left field review. Some people get mad about this. Gorski and novella, the, the, editor-in-chief, and the managing editor of the site, uh, or executive editor, I'm sorry, Gorski Z, executive editor, all these titles are made up at every publication. They are so disturbed by this review that they pull down the article. They retract the article, Katie. This does not happen very often on sort of mainstream media outlets, right?
1: Especially for a review.
0: Especially for a book review, yes. Uh, they post a thing basically arguing that there were such important errors that it didn't meet SBM standards. As I continue to talk about that, keep that in mind. Pulling an article because it does not meet SBM's lofty standards for accurately communicating health information. Okay, so in response to, to the positive review, they post not one, not two, not three, but four different articles all harshly criticizing irreversible damage. That's what you have to do, right? Katie, if you, if you praise the wrong book, you then need to delete that and write four articles bashing that same book.
1: Only fair. Retract and then a four-part series. It, it'd be better if it were an entire podcast series or like a docu-series, uh, something on HBO. But if you don't have the contacts there, then yes, the least you can do is a four-part series refuting a book review.
0: So the, the introduction to the series was by Novella and Gorski themselves. And they just lay out the basics of what they see as the current state of the debate for trans youth healthcare. Then they publish a review by a woman named – Rose Lovell uh, I think that's pronounce her how you pronounce her name as of February she was finishing up her residency somewhere so She's a doctor. She's she's not a particularly experienced one. And I, I mention this in part because I've seen some of the comments under SBM articles, and these people are despite being skeptics, they're obsessed with credentialism. So I think that's noteworthy. Then after that, there were two articles by um a non binary trans healthcare provider from Connecticut named A Ad- Literal Blue Hair literal blue hair <laughs> katie that's not relevant come on we're an evidence based podcast it's
1: not relevant except there's this stereotype of the non binary queer person with blue hair, and this is a literal stereotype uh
0: that is a cruel thing for you to say. How dare you anyway, two articles by a j eckert um so let's leave aside the introduction because that wasn't really a book review. it was just explaining why they pulled the review Katie, if you Let's say hypothetically that some fucking nerd with too much time on his hand <laughs> did a deep dive into these three articles. And you know what? I, I, I'm being a little bit confusing here because there's – the A.J. Eckert review was in two parts. So it's four total articles. Intro by Gorski and Novella, article by Rose, Rose Lovell, two-parter by Eckert. I looked at the first three of them. I'm not going to be coy. I was the fucking loser with too much time on his hand. I did a deep dive <laughs> – into these three articles. If you had to guess that about how many like actual errors there were in the Lovell article and the Eckert article, what would you guess? Maybe four. I found what I believe are 19 factual errors in these two articles that were posted in response to science-based medicine pulling down an article for not meeting their standards. 19, most of them in the one by A.J. Eckert. And I i did two long Substack articles about this. It took a lot of my time. Um, 19 errors in two articles is like, for a mainstream outlet, which science-based medicine is, and especially for one that has is science-based in the title, that's like really, 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 really bad. And I just think it's interesting to like think about what happened here. Well,
1: I'm sure you just told them about this, all these errors, and they just immediately corrected them, right?
0: Yep, that's me uh, slapping my hands. Job well done. No, they, as I tweeted about them, they corrected. I think four from one article and one from another, one from the left. They've corrected four or five total. There's about 14 left uncorrected. What's amazing is when I asked Gorski about this in an email thread with him and Novella, Novella has been pretty silent on this. It seems like Gorski's the guy who is really proud of the site's new turn on this issue. Um, Gorski said that they he had sent the errors on to Lovell and Eckert to see if they would require correction. Compare the response to the positive review of irreversible damage where it is so bad they make an executive decision to pull it down to the response here where I find errors and they say, well, we'll ask the authors if they think those are errors. Katie, when you were at The Stranger, if someone, if someone said that there were errors in your article, did you get final say on whether you had to correct them or not?
1: Oh, God, I wish.
0: This is really unusual. And the reason I've taken all this time on this is there's a huge amount of misinformation on this. For a website like Science Based Medicine to put out this much information is – Really inexcusable and and I think it is this is a buzzword that, a buzz term that gets thrown around a lot. It's ideological capture that they, they Gorsky David Gorsky is listening to a small subset of activists and a lot of these false claims were things that have been debunked years ago that activists just
1: recite over and over and over. What I found more interesting about this was the email because at this point we're used to outlets getting this shit wrong. They all get shit wrong. The New York Times gets shit wrong. It's not just science, like it's not just blogs like this. Like big outlets get this shit wrong all the time. What I found more interesting was that you somehow got a hold of an email from Gorski about you.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, someone sent me an email. They had basically reached out to Gorsky highlighting my critiques, being like, what's the deal with this? So David Gorsky, uh responds to this person by saying, Jesse Single? Not the greatest source you're citing there. Not a physician. Not a scientist. And someone well known for using shall we say, questionable arguments. Gorski then includes two links. One is by Emily Gorchensky, who's a well-known activist, who once said she was assaulted um, by far-right protesters in Charlottesville, and once said, I'm not making this up, she said that the only person she hates more than the Nazis who assaulted her is Jesse Single. Fair. She has made up a shitload of stuff about me. I'll include a link. She has deleted the tweet. Uh, I still have a tweet of me referencing her saying that about the Nazis. Um, I I went through the stuff she said about me. She, she lies. She makes stuff up. The other link is to transgender map. Transgender map is a site uh, created by Andrea James. Uh, Where do you even begin with Andrea James, Katie?
1: Where does it begin? Andrea James is a character. She's a trans activist. She's been active on the scene for years. She has a long history of terrorizing sex researchers she disagrees with. We're going to talk a lot more about this and the sort of broader issues in our next Patreon episode. So if you want the, like, real shit about Andrea James— listen to that. Um, but for now, the thing to know is that she has a website that's basically a repository of, it's a shit list. It's this, she does like deep dive into people she doesn't like. She does these biographies and she complains about them. She
0: also like literally stalked Alice Drager at one point. She she engaged in behavior that if anyone else did it would be seen as stalking as in showing up at Alice Drager's then office to leave her a threatening note.
1: Yeah. She's, uh there's, join the Patreon. We'll, uh, you'll, you'll hear all about it. Um, but what happened after, after he, linked to this this resource this bullshit resource which by the way she raised $25,000 to make on Kickstarter
0: well she raised $25,000 this is like a whole other thing we should talk about the Patreon but she raised $25,000 to supposedly write Create a data science tool that would help get transphobes fired. It it made no sense, but she seems to be using that money just to like create more enemies lists and stuff.
1: Right. And this website, it's like GeoCities, like 1998.
0: It's a not a fucking There's, so many, there's like so many scammy ads. It's yeah, an incredible experience.
1: It's not a twenty-five thousand dollar website. It's a free website. It's also very thorough. Anyway, if you're curious about this, just join the Patreon. But so, so one of our listeners tweeted at David Gorski, didn't tag it Andrea James or anything like that, but he tweeted and he basically said like, Andrea James has been discredited. And then he sends us an email.
0: This was like amazing. So this is one of our listeners. He follows about 500 people. He has 500 followers, not any sort of like public figure, just a random person tweeting about this. And here is what the email he received from Andrea James. And I'm, I'm going to gloss over some of these details here because it's basically uh, her just like referring to these like crazy rumors involving the research of sex researchers she doesn't like. Hi, Michael. I'd like to speak with you about your online activity under the username at blah, blah, blah. Then she basically accuses Michael of of defending sex researchers who she says have done awful stuff. She's talking about figures who have had all sorts of crazy rumors spread about them. So I'm, I'm not even going to repeat by it, her, by her, among others. Um She explains what her qualms are. Then she finishes. Please call me by Friday at the number below. After which I will contact Blank Corporate, where that is his real world employer. If I have not heard from you,
1: and she sent this to his, he sent this to, she sent this to his work email yeah, address.
0: Yeah, we don't know how she got his work email address. Maybe he posted somewhere. We can't say for sure. But the point is, this she Andrea James big time trans activist is emailing a random person, a random tweeter saying, if you don't get on the phone to debate me, I will call your boss and report you. That is, I think I sometimes get resentful about this stuff because you and I have both been dragged for like quote retweeting someone in a snarky way. That's considered harassment to take a random person tweeting from the sidelines who isn't a public figure, track down their employer Email them, threaten to the, report them to their employer for tweets you don't like. That is like it's the kind of behavior you'd expect from someone who had done some light stalking in the past, right? It's not that surprising, actually.
1: It's blackmail.
0: It's basically blackmail. It's fucking crazy.
1: So I talked to this guy, Michael, and it turns out that he has a uh, a long history in the skeptics community, and he gave me a little bit more background on Gorsky and what his sort of theories are about why why Gorsky and Novella published this. Uh, published this air-riddled four-part series.
0: Yeah. They, so what's the basic um, – I mean, we should just pause on the fact, first of all, that Gorski thinks that this is a good person to cite, someone who has a long-established history of stalking. Setting that aside – Right.
1: He says like in the email, what does he say about you? He just
0: says, I'm not trustworthy, and then he uses Andrea James' website as a, as a reason.
1: Yeah, for. Andrea James and Emily Gorkinsky, who are not credible people on this issue. So
0: yeah, the, the, this history – I mean, it's a lot to get in. We'll talk – a about it a little bit more on the Patreon, but it it basically comes down to like what the skeptic community should be and how infused it should be with political issues that aren't directly related to like atheism or skepticism, right?
1: Right, so... So Michael, who again has been involved in the skeptics community for a long time, was acquaintances or is acquaintances uh, with Gorski, is or at least was a big fan of novellas. And it told me that this has been a very humbling month for him as a fan of Steve Novella. Um, So he told me that the skeptic community started out investigating these sort of supernatural, extraordinary claims. Um, you know, ghost sightings, things like that. Um, and then, and then it sort of broadened out from there. Gorski really got involved when it, when, uh, they started talking about medical misinformation, which makes sense for Gorski because he's an oncologist. So his, his sort of beat on this was medical misinformation. So they were covering things like this, you know, um, Ghost sightings, extraordinary claims, supernatural shit, medical misinformation, health misinformation, stuff like that. And then he told me that in the last, about the last 10 years or so, the skeptics have gone through an awakening the same way that the atheists have gone through an awakening or basically every, <laughs> the media has gone through an awakening. Um, basically a lot of like leftist institutions and organizations have gone through this, uh, this concept creep where the, 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 the thing that that thing that the thing was founded on is no longer the focus and it becomes about social justice issues. And he pins the real start of this trend to Elevator Gate in 2011. Jesse, do you know about Elevator Gate? Yes. Oh,
0: God, I actually just Big heard- sigh. there's a When Colin Wright was on Joe Rogan, he talked about this a little bit. So Elevator Gate involved, tell me if I have this right. There's a convention where a woman named Rebecca, what's her last name? Watson. Rebecca Watson, who- um is she the Skeptic or is she part of like a group
1: uh, group blog called Skeptic? She's the Skeptic, Skeptic, Skeptic. Chick. So Rebecca
0: Watson is sort of like a well-known um, female skeptic in a community that was very male and <laughs> very socially awkward. And tell me if I have this, this full chronology right, but there was a, an annual convention of some sort. She gave a talk about how this was not a welcoming community for women. I find it impossible that that is false, that any community that is 80 or 90% male is welcoming for women. I, I, sorry. I just think a lot of men are like creepy around women, especially socially awkward ones. So that's not my, my gripe. And if I have the chronology right, after she gave a talk about this, I don't know if it was the same night or like in the shortly after that, she at the end of a night of drinking was in an elevator up to her hotel room, dude's in the elevator, dude asks her if she wants to come back uh to his room for quote unquote coffee, meaning hooking up. She then sort of I think, does a blog post basically saying that, look, this is what I'm talking about, about being made to feel uncomfortable. And this was like dropped a bomb in the skeptics movement in that some people said, look, he he asked you to hook up. You said no. And that was that she pointed out that she was in a confined space in the elevator. You know, it made her feel unsafe or pressured. Richard Dawkins involvement. I think he posted a comment under a blog about this that became infamous. He was very, very fucking Sort of mean spirited about it. I think that exacerbated things a great deal.
1: Yeah, he basically said something like, uh, <laughs> "This is this is hard to explain to because it's so ridiculous." He he was like writing this in like the voice of an oppressed Muslim woman. <laughs> yeah, basically saying like, "How can you care about this bullshit when there are women whose genitals are being cut in Africa?"
0: Yeah, and, and that didn't help. Um, so this, and beca- he later apologized. Yeah. This in the history of these these subcommunities, this became like a legendary event that really like clarified some tensions. It also there's also a thing I'm not going to get into all this in part because I don't know the full story. There was an attempt to set something up called Atheism Plus that would basically be atheism plus social justice, right? Honest face and and. uh Scott Siskin Alexander, Alexander Siskin, whatever, he has a good Slate Star Codex, has a good article about this, about how weird and arbitrary that is. Because if you have a movement devoted to atheism, you're going to have people from a lot of different political backgrounds in there. All they share is their belief that there's no God to say. We're atheism and also we're adopting all these other liberal social justice he believes. Like, there's some tension there. Atheism plus, that's like a thing when you hear certain sort of quote unquote classically liberal or conservative atheists talk about it, they spit out the term atheist plus like it's like a a naughty word. They really hate it.
1: Right. Uh, One interesting detail about Rebecca Rebecca Watson. So she never named the person uh, who hit on her uh, in this elevator. And she said it's because she has face blindness.
0: Whoa. So nobody knows who the, uh, the coffee inviter was.
1: Right. Right.
0: Wow. It could have been any of it us. It could have been a man. I mean, it could have yeah. been a woman. Uh, that is like a funny little, uh, side thing.
1: I don't like, okay. And
0: also as I make fun of elements of this, There's certain communities that have disproportionate numbers of like truly socially dysfunctional people. I do think that's true among like gamers. Sorry, gamers, but like hardcore gamers. I do think that's true among like atheists and skeptic types. I'm sure Rebecca Watson has received genuinely legitimate harassment. So I, I don't want to downplay that, but I'm just trying to explain some of the history here. So... Long story short, atheism movement, skeptic movement, they have been pulled in recent directions of like, what should we be about? And you can see how on a question like youth gender dysphoria, where there's, on the one hand, the actual science of it, which in my view is limited and I get that view from the multiple sort of national institutions in different countries that have said that. And then there's the politics of it. The politics of it state that you you are not supposed to say the evidence is limited because we all want kids to have access to these treatments.
1: Right, but for skeptics, you would think that this one particular group would give more of a shit about the evidence than the politics. One
0: would think, would one not? So my my concern, I do find these internet culture battles very interesting but as i say on my Substack, which i'll link to these are free posts it just it annoys and worries the shit out of me that like if you're a parent and you go to science-based medicine you will be dumber about this issue than you were before you clicked over to that site that is the exact opposite of the point of a site like Science Based Medicine, Science Based Medicine, and David Gorski and Stephen Novella, they are not obliged to say like there's no evidence for these treatments, or to agree entirely with Abigail Schreier. But th- what they're doing is really bad. They are sending misinformation to people, and I'm against that. That shouldn't be controversial.
1: I wonder, Jesse, what Science Based Medicine would say about multiple personality disorder. That's. Did you do you think they have anything on that? Let's look it up real quick.
0: All I'm seeing is. False memory syndrome, alive and well. And that's by someone who's a skeptic. I'm not sure they've covered that this much. I think, though, after seeing those quotes in Input Magazine from people who insist that they have this disorder, they should be taken at face value. And science-based medicine should, should say, this is real. and We should let multiplicity reign.
1: I think science-based medicine should give them columns.
0: <laughs> I got to say, like, the the inability of these, of these two clinicians, particularly Eckert, to, like there, – there's times when she says – this is uh, this this study shows that dogs are always brown. And then you click on the study and in like the abstract it'll be like this study shows that not all dogs are brown. We're talking that level of misinformation of being completely incapable of even communicating like findings to the audience accurately. And they just pick these two at random because they have the right politics. It's super obvious. There's a million clinicians they could have tapped to have more nuanced views on this stuff. But I, I just hate watching an institution get completely ideologically captured like this in real time. I think it's really unfortunate.
1: And we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, the ACLU everywhere. is the one that that comes to mind um, first off. But, you know, it's just – it's is a trend. I think that concept creep is you, – once you start to notice it, you, you start to see it everywhere. And Gorski – has done a really terrible job responding to this. Uh, just on Twitter, anytime somebody asks him, like, are you going to issue these corrections? His response is to block them.
0: Yeah. And I, and I got to say, I'm not against blocking if people are being annoying. But if you're in a position like that, or you're an editor, and people are asking you about errors in your work, that's a really bad look. Oof, chief, as as these people would say. Um, Gorski's Performance here has been embarrassing. Uh, it's now been days and days. They have not done any further corrections. So I, I just think this is disgraceful, and that people, I'm not. Why should you take science based medicine seriously on other issues if they can botch this very important issue so badly?
1: Right, like maybe coffee enemas actually do cure, cure cancer.
0: I'm doing one right now. The, the <laughs> coffee was the coffee was a little too hot, but. Uh, I'll learn for next time. You got
1: to use your tushy for that.
0: <laughs> uh, do you have anything else to say about this, Katie? I found this so demoralizing.
1: No, just I think that our Patreon about Andrea James is going to be very fun and interesting. So I uh, I implore you all to subscribe.
0: Yes. I will say I am torn on giving this person more attention, but she's like undeniably- You're scared just, of her. Like, I don't think she can like- harm me but this is someone who's been such a pernicious influence for like a decade and a half and has engaged in such completely inexcusable behavior but you know it's for the right cause so she'll just keep doing it she fucking raising money from we'll talk about all this it's crazy we'll talk about it, we'll talk about it. this has been blocked and reported my name is jesse single and remember i have five thousand altars alters and they have all been on joe rogan
1: and i'm katie herzog and also remember when it comes to greatness and tits size doesn't matter